Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engage podcast, where we go in-depth with practical ways for you to pray, vote, and engage. Today we are broadcasting a special message delivered by Christians Engage President Bunny Pounds. Bunny's remarks were made in March of this year, and they have special relevance to the current state of affairs within our nation. Hey everyone, it's Bunny Pounds. Um, We are releasing today a message that I shared at a church in Brenham, Texas back in March. Uh, In March of 2020, if you all remember, it was when coronavirus was really starting to hit and we were all being told to stay in our homes. And, you know, this has been an interesting year. None of us expected this year, um, but it's had a lot of challenges for our, our own souls, our own families, our own businesses. So I spoke this message in Brenham, Texas at Grace Community Fellowship uh, with Pastor Matt Sweeney. And then we had a panel with Christians Engaged talking about prayer voting engagement. So this message is only um, around 15 minutes, but it's powerful because I've been stuck in Isaiah 59, 60 and 61 this entire year. And I think it's significant for the church right now. We are eight days Um, from a presidential election, and we still, in reality, don't know who the winner is. Um, There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, questions about what I can do, how I'm supposed to respond right now, what's going on in my heart. Um, I know you're probably feeling a lot of those questions, and I really just want to call you back to Isaiah 59, 60, and 61, Um, and in Isaiah 59, there's a whole bunch of injustices happening. But he says in Isaiah 59, 16, and he saw that there was no man, uh, there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. There was no intercessor in the land. And so this is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Um, He says in Isaiah 60, arise, shine for your light is come for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Um, I believe, and I've been saying this all year, that 2020 is one of the greatest years for the church ever. It doesn't look like it in the natural. Our flesh doesn't want to respond to it that way. We want to um, cower back. We want to um, stay isolated. We want to uh, let our anxieties have free reign, but that's not the word of the Lord for us. Um, And here in Isaiah 61, It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Um, I just pray that you have, we all have ears to hear right now in this hour and that we're looking for the word of the Lord. But in this moment, it's not time to to, uh, draw back. It is time to engage um, in prayer. Um, We have done our voting, but we're checking votes now. We're making sure votes are not illegally cast. We're making sure that our election integrity of our nation is protected. Um, This is an important thing, and we need everyone to rise up and pray and to seek the Lord in this moment. So enjoy this message um, from March 2020 from Brenham, Texas. great to be in the house of the Lord with a rowdy service. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we've had all our churches shut down in Dallas County, so we're excited to be down here with y'all. 
So thank you so much. We love Pastor Matt. Uh, we were at the Wharton Church a while back with Congressman Michael Cloud. Um, just love this whole network. You guys are doing a lot of things right. Um, the leadership has set things in place in this fellowship to, to emphasize prayer, worship, discipleship, foreign missions. I mean, we're, we've just been so blessed by being connected with you guys at every level. So I just want to share a little bit of my story, then I'm kind of kind of deviate from my normal um, message this morning to talk about what I feel like God's calling us to do in this hour as it relates to Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come. So I'm a pastor's kid. I had a radical experience with Jesus when I was 13. I realized I was a sinner <laughs> as a pastor's kid. I was perfect, right? Perfect. Um, and, and just really um, had an experience with Jesus that changed my life forever. And then um, thought I was going to go do uh, theater, got a scholarship to North Texas University, and at the last minute um, switched to a little Bible school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. And ended up on the back row hanging out with a whole bunch of Africans that had left their families to come learn the Bible for a couple years and learned how to pray. And God just impacted my life in such a drastic way when I was 18, 19, 20. And uh, I thought I was going to be a missionary. I went to Guatemala, hung out with all these people that were impacting nations, right? And all of a sudden, my best friend um, proposed at an IHOP one day over pancakes. And all of a sudden, I'm stuck in America. <laughs> and I really did feel like that in a sense. I knew I was supposed to marry my husband, Tim. But I felt like, what, God, what are you doing with my life? Now I'm, I'm helping him with a pest control company. <laughs> a pest control company, right? Or killing bugs for a living. And then we got into the restaurant business. And I'm like, God, what is this? You know, here we are serving in our local churches, worshiping. I'm a worship leader, praising God, but yet inside just not feeling like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, serving where I'm supposed to be serving. And fast forward 2004, I went to my first state uh, Republican Party uh, convention. Again, we're nonpartisan, but that's the party that aligned with my values. And, uh, and I, God just arrested my heart that I had a voice. I had a voice in this nation. I could impact the change for the unborn. I could make a difference in my community. And I went back to school at Dallas Baptist University, graduated three and a half years later, magna cum laude, while raising my five and seven-year-old kids at the time. Some of you moms know what that feels like. <laughs> and, uh, and launched uh, a career. I landed my first political job, which was by a miracle, with a United States congressman, Congressman Jeb Henserling, who later went on to serve as the financial services chairman in the House. For 10 years, I served him on the ground in the district as his campaign manager, and then I launched my own political consulting firm, helping our Christian um, conservative candidates throughout North Texas, helping them do what they needed to do. We had 32 candidates at one point in my, in my firm, nine employees in my office. And all of a sudden, my boss of 10 years announced his retirement from Congress. And I had been looking behind the scenes for about two years. I was like one of the few people that knew that might happen. And I'd been looking for his candidate that was going to replace him. And I, I had a list of three people, three people that I felt would serve the district well. When I called those three people, the moment this happened, um, all three of them within a week's time told me no. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And I showed up at my church at Upper Room in Dallas and spent three days of prayer and fasting because the burden of my heart for my district was so deep. Sometimes burdens that God gives us 
end up pushing us into some crazy action that we never saw coming, right? So learning how to respond to that burden in the place of prayer is so important. Because three days later, I'm showing up at my, at my boss's house on a you know, Sunday morning uh, saying, I need your endorsement. I'm running for your seat. And he's like, what? What? It was totally the Lord. Within 30 days, we raised $200,000. Um, and then I'm in a primary with eight people in a run, uh, and um, the vice president of the United States, who I'd known as the congressman from Indiana, <laughs> came in to Dallas, and he said, I can't do anything for Bunny. I'd known Bunny for, she, he'd known me for 12 years. He always treated me um, like a friend, not as a staffer. And we had a conversation 12 years ago that went like this. You know, Bunny, what are you doing here? How are you, uh, how did you get into politics? And I said, sir, I'm a missionary to America. God's called me to love Jesus in this realm. And I'm standing beside this guy and helping him do what he needs to do and stay faithful to the call of God on his life. Fast forward 12 years later, he says he's coming into Dallas. And I'm the only person that he's going to have a, a private meeting with when he comes to Dallas. I can't endorse her, but I can have a private meeting with her, and I can tell people, and you can put it on pictures and send it out in digital media and marketing and let people know that I had a private meeting with you. So you have to understand this is one of those moments where your boss of 10 years is taking pictures with your iPhone and directing the vice president to sit at this table and hold pictures and look like you're talking about a campaign plan while I'm just sitting there like going, God, what is going on? I mean, I got out of my yoga pants that day. I got my pantsuit on. I got my hair fixed, got my makeup done, right? It's one of those moments like my consultant was like, Bunny, enjoy this. You're never going to have this again. This is one of those moments, you know, like Queen Esther going before the king. And that five-minute meeting turned into 12 minutes. And I picked up my iPhone 12 minutes later after the vice president held my hand and said, Bunny, me and Karen are going to be praying every day for you to come to D.C. We need your light in this place. The next morning, I'm in a church in the district like I did every Sunday, and I'm worshiping the Lord just like today. The presence of God was so sweet, and I'm standing there worshiping before the Lord, and I just felt this thought drop in my head, and it was, this right here is so much better than the vice president. This right here is so much better than the vice president. And I knew in that moment I wasn't doing this because I wanted to be somebody or I had some sense of like a savior mentality that I was going to save my district. I knew that if God sent me to the darkest place on the planet, <laughs> which I believe Washington, D.C. is, <laughs> that I was going to be okay because Jesus was going with me. Amen. Three weeks later, I end up in the runoff. Two weeks after that, I'm sitting at my desk raising money like I did every day, running around seven counties while I raised money to get my message out. And all of a sudden, my Twitter blows up. The vice president of the United States went on Twitter and endorsed Bunny Pounds for Congress. And I'll never forget that moment. I'm sitting there weeping at my desk going, God, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? I was, again, I was the only person in the United States the vice president endorsed. I showed up on the front page of the New York Times the next day that somehow Vice President Pence just endorsed some random woman named Bunny Pounds that the president had no idea who she, who she was. <laughs> but God has a way of moving. Fast forward a few weeks later, I knew I'm in a, a runoff, um, early voting's happening, and I see that my opponent, 
who is a state representative, his two counties are showing up in mass um, for many reasons. But I know, based on the numbers, that I'm most likely losing this runoff. And I'm at a church. Our church had joined together with another church for a night of worship. And the worship, again, I'm just so thankful I was there that Friday night, knowing I was going to walk into Election Day on Tuesday morning and going to lose. And I just let all of the marketing, all of the negative campaigning, a million dollars spent against me, calling me a swamp creature and a liar and all this stuff, just wash over me. I'd been like pretty much just trying to keep my job going and try to do what I needed to do. The intense pressure of feeling the vice president put his name on me and now I am losing. And I just sat there and cried and cried and cried for an hour and a half. And I got up off the floor and I thought, this is not who I am. I get to walk with Jesus tomorrow. I get to hang out with my Savior. I get to read the word. I get to preach the gospel. You know, this is okay. I'm going to make it. I'm, gonna, I'm a survivor. And I say those stories to say that there's nothing more important in this hour than for us to walk with Jesus. In the highest of highs, which that was the highest of high I've ever had, my preacher father, if he was alive, would have been very proud of me in that moment. But in the lowest of low, he is still God. And his presence picks up and, and carries us through our life, right? And the word I have for you this morning is out of Isaiah 60. And you can turn to your Bible or they're going to put it on the screen. And I'm just going to, in a sense, prophesy this over the body of Christ in America. Okay? And you bear witness to it and say amen if you agree. But arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But... The Lord will arise over you. Say, the Lord will arise over me. And his glory will be seen upon you. Say, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon me. The Gentiles shall come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your rising. Say, amen, church. Amen. <laughs> you know, the beauty of this is Jesus's presence, the presence of God gets to go with us wherever we go. And I like to say when I walk into the room, everything changes because Jesus walks in with me. That healing power, that resurrection power walks in when I walk in the room. We as the church should be the ones that have wisdom and discernment and understanding regarding what's going on in our nation right now. We should be the ones that understand that and we should take it to the place of prayer and let God illuminate the things that he's trying to illuminate to us and us join together in Jesus in intercession as he's standing at the right hand of the Father, always making intercession for us. And we get to partner with him with those prayers and see God move in this hour. What an exciting time to be alive. I'm just so excited. So if you read Isaiah 59 and you read Isaiah 60, you're going to see it. Isaiah 59, I encourage you to read it this weekend, is just full of a whole bunch of sin, a whole bunch of uh, no mercies being extended, justice is not being taken care of, blood is being spilled, all this stuff's happening. And he says in Isaiah 59, there was not an intercessor to put on the wall. So he had to raise up a redeemer. He had to raise up a redeemer. I believe this is a foreshadowing of Jesus, the great intercessor that stands in the gap for us and then leads the people into this glorious inheritance of arising and shining, right? Amen. Amen? 
And so you can see in verse 19 of chapter 59, there's three characteristics I believe that the Lord is calling the church to in this hour. And this is the, the church, the bright and shining ones. It says in verse 19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. A characteristic of the church that shines and arises are ones that fear the Lord, that have a reverence to the King of Kings, that make him Lord of everything in their life. He's either Lord of everything or Lord of nothing. He is the Lord of everything in our life. We've lost in the modern church this reverence, this fear of the Lord, um, this, you know, this thing that hits us where we know we have to bow. <laughs> we have to bow before the king, right? This reverence. And that, the people that humble themselves, that go take the low road, that go lower in this season are the ones that are going to rise and shine with his glory on us. Verse 20, it says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. The second character of the people that are rising and shining are the ones that are turning from transgressions. They're turning from the breaking of the law of God. And we know at grace, right, grace is the empowering presence of God, is my definition, to cause us to abandon sin, to walk in freedom, right? It's an empower. It's the Holy Spirit empowering us. Romans 8 says, sin shall no longer have dominion over us. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. Amen? So grace is not something that lets us just continue in sin, but gives us the freedom to walk in freedom. But we have to turn from transgressions. We have to say, God, I am going in this direction and I want to turn towards you and seek you and allow you to change my life. Verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you. And my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. We want generational glory, right? The only way we have generational glory, the only way our children are impacted by the love of God or our grandchildren are loved by, experience the love of God is that God is real to us. His spirit is real to us. His words are, are esteemed higher than anything else. His word is being placed in our mouth and we're using it like swords against fear, against pride, against anger, against the enemies of our soul in this culture, right? This is the hour for the church to start putting the word of God in their mouth, in their mouth. And letting us proclaim the word of God for our own souls, for our families, for our future generations. The most powerful thing is a mom sitting on a couch or a dad with the Holy Scriptures open, spending time with Jesus and tears running down their face because Jesus is impacting them with his spirit. I'm telling you, when your kids see that, they're changed. They're impacted forever. We, we had the honor of having house church in our house for 10 years. We launched three house churches at one time. My kids were deeply impacted by the worship and the prayer that was in my house. The people that experienced Jesus and got free from drugs and alcohol and lesbianism and experienced God in the deepest place of our soul in our house 
Let your children see your walk with the Lord. If we want God to be real in their life, we have to be, he has to be real to our life. Amen? And so this is the hour for the church to wake up. This is our, our scripture that we started Christians Engage was, now it is high time for us to awake out of sleep. <laughs> now it is high time for us to awake out of sleep. So this morning we're calling you back to your first love, but we're also calling you to impact your community. Because when you become light and salt and you walk in the presence of God, man, it just starts impacting everybody around you. So what are simple steps that we can take as believers that can impact our, our city, our state, and our nation? Um, we get so overwhelmed many times with, you know, I oh, mean, I can't make a difference. I can't do anything. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a business owner. I'm, I'm controlled by my employees and all the things I've got to do. You can make a conscience effort to take your burdens to the Lord as it relates to your city, state, and nation. You can vote in every election and take five minutes out of your day to show up at a polling place. And you can engage with whatever God's called you to do with our culture. And that, for that, it could be many different things. Some people are called to adopt foster kids. Some people are called to stand um, in the pro-life movement. And stand for the unborn. Some people are being called more and more into saving people out of human trafficking. Whatever that looks like for you, respond to the call of God on your life. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that message. Again, we cut out the panel that we had at that church service, but just felt like we needed to bring you that segment of that message that is really relevant for us right now on November 11th, 2020. Um, the same message is important for us to understand in this moment. So I really encourage you, read Isaiah 59, 60, 61 today. Spend some time with the Lord and ask him for his perspective in this moment. And let's not draw back. This is not the time to draw back. This is the time to be vigilant and to ask the Lord for victory. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is a production of Christians Engaged. We are a nonpartisan nonprofit that exists to awaken, motivate, and educate ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation regularly, vote in every election, and engage our hearts in some form of political activism. To learn more about us, please visit our website at christiansengaged.org. That's christiansengaged.org.